Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Just a quick thing before we begin today's podcast. Are unpleasant symptoms of digestion getting you down? Bloating, abdominal pain, constipation, indigestion, IBS, bowel dysfunction, SIBO, colitis? Well, We are now accepting new applications for our group physiotherapy program. To learn more, go to ecophysio.com forward slash group and submit an application and we will get in contact with you once we receive it to see if it's a good fit for our program. Welcome back everybody to the podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about pelvic floor and fertility. And my guest today is Dr. Zen. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to dive into this topic, but before we like, you know, jump in head first, like, can you tell us a little bit about you, you know, kind of your background and like what sort of got you working in this sort of area? Sure. So I am a naturopathic doctor and I focus on fertility and hormones Specifically, I have a clinical practice called NMD Wellness of Scottsdale. We are in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I really felt frustrated that women in their 20s and 30s were never being talked about with their OBs or their primary care about their hormones or their fertility. Um, There was no proactive. And even when you think of infertility, it's always infertility and there's no discussion about fertility. So I was deeply passionate about helping women educate themselves so that they could make decisions out of knowledge rather than fear. So that is what we focus at um, in our clinic. We see patients who struggle with PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, or unexplained infertility, women who are really looking for what else they could be doing. We also see a ton of women who may be on birth control and are thinking, okay, what do I need to do now to prepare myself in the future? So we are very, very fortunate to have a very empowered um, population or demographic of women and men too, because it always takes two to tango. Um, But it's been really, really fun to provide women this empowerment and how to advocate, whether it's in our clinic or their visit with their primary care or their OB, um, how to advocate for their health in those really, really short visits. Yeah, indeed. Uh, We don't necessarily like we don't necessarily think or talk about, you know, optimizing for this phase or preparing for this phase. And, uh, you know, also having some knowledge about like what to do during pregnancy and then postpartum, never mind, because there's a whole bunch of hormones and things going on. And, you know, how do I support my body to move through this, uh, you know, change in life, right? And oftentimes we wait till there's a problem, 
Oh, yeah. And that's just how the medical system is built, right? It's not built on us being healthy. It's built on us being sick. And I always like to mention this because it's not that your doctor doesn't have your best intentions, right? Like they didn't go to school so that they could profit on your sickness. That's not what I'm saying. But the system is built that they don't have time. They don't even know how to bill for a patient who comes in healthy. I just posted the other day on social media about being 25. And when I was 25, I went to my primary care and I was like, I'm here. I want to like know what I can do to like, you know, make sure that I stay healthy. And she literally had no idea what to tell me. She was like, uh, do you have like bowel changes, like our cycle? And I'm like, no, no, everything's good. And she was like, what am I supposed to write? Like in my chart, like she had no idea how she was going to bill for that appointment. So that is, I think the biggest problem or sometimes the, the broken system that we have to deal with. So sometimes when patients are like, I wish my primary care would have ordered more labs or they're not doing their job. It's not that they don't have good intentions. It's just the system is different. So sometimes we have to change the type of system that we're working with. And that's where I totally believe in collaborative care of, you know, adding a naturopathic doctor to your team. We we are better together and it shouldn't be one versus the other. So um, especially when it comes to fertility, I think there's either we do nothing or we do everything and there's no real gradient or in between, which is really frustrating for a lot of patients. Yeah. Especially, you know, you, we see this like growing trend toward, you know, health and wellness and like, how do I, you know, how do I stay well? How do I know that I'm eating what I need to be eating or, you know, how do I fuel my body as, you know, um, somebody who's physically active or, you know, these questions are starting to come to the forefront. And I mean, even in my uh, uh, practice now, you know, I am seeing it's still not where I think it needs to be, but it's a really good start that I'm seeing clients coming in, looking to learn about their pelvic floor before they give birth, right? It's like people are looking for that information for what can I be doing to try to just make things easier for myself or make things potentially better or reduce risks of having a problem later. Uh, and so we're starting to see that uptake but now we need like the practitioners, right? Now it's like, who's going to help me be able to get access to that information? Absolutely. Because it may not be our primary care, uh, you know, physicians, because there's a lot of, they're fundamentally there to support and make sure that, oh, there's a problem. Let's deal with, you know, this particular problem. Let's make sure you get whatever's ordered. They may not be equipped for all of the other things they could do. And again, system limitations as well, right? Absolutely. I don't think they can charge, like it's not like here in Canada anyways, like, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there are private MD clinics where you can pay to basically have healthcare. I mean, in the US it's, I'm not sure I understand <laughs> your system at all, but- I don't think I do either. <laughs> but nonetheless, there's a lot of like issues around like how- you know, how those, how access and, and the financial aspect is dealt with that plays a role in, I think, access. Absolutely. Yeah. But moving aside from systems and now diving into, okay, so I am in my twenties and thirties, I'm looking to optimize, I'm looking to support, I'm looking to learn about my fertility. And so can we, can we talk about you know, because there's fertility and then there's 
infertility and you know like what is the th- like what is the threshold that as an individual's moving through this journey that they cross over into the threshold of infertility like what is that line and are there things that may be indicative of that like what how 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 does somebody move along that spectrum and like what would you define or what's the definition Absolutely. I think what's interesting too, is the way that we have been taught, whether it's our health class in high school or college or any of those, the idea was if we just thought of sex, we'd get pregnant. So there was this big fear of like, just even the thought of it would make us pregnant and that that's going to happen. Unfortunately, when many women decide, okay, I'm ready to start a family. I get off birth control. They're like, wait a second. Like, what? I thought that this was going to happen immediately. And we've learned that we're not as intuitive with our body. Part of it too, is many of us are on birth control for many, many years. And there's a time and place for birth control. I really do think so. I think 19 year old me may be different than 30 year old me for sure. But I wish that there was more education of things to look for, or if your cycles were irregular prior to being on birth control, birth control won't magically make your symptoms go away or your cycles, you know, turn magically perfect. Like they look like they do when you're on birth control. So that I think is the biggest frustration for a lot of women is they assumed that birth control fixed the problem when instead it may have just put a bandaid on the situation. Um, it did maybe help someone who may be having some symptoms of PCOS have a more regular cycle and having that bleeding is important. Um, but it also didn't address the issue, meaning that the person who gets off of birth control, the minute they get off, well, if their cycles were irregular prior to, there's a high chance that they're going to experience those symptoms again. So I think that is where part of that frustration happens many times, or at least in the United States, how it goes for insurance purposes with your OBGYN um, or your PCP is if you go in and you say, okay, I am ready to have a baby. They're like, awesome. Great. Well, enjoy that process and come back to us, depending on your age in six months or a year, if things aren't working out. So if you are 35 years and older, and you've been trying actively for six months, that's kind of the cutoff that they kind of say, okay, now we can start kind of talking about some of these issues versus if you're under 35, uh, which many of our patients are, is it's a whole year. And the problem with that is that if they had irregular cycles, even prior to birth control, or they've had irregular cycles for three cycles now, since being off of birth control, waiting a year is not going to make a difference. We need to address like, why is that cycle irregular? What do we need to do about it? Um, So that's where we really believe in that proactive approach of, of if there's an issue or if you're experiencing, for example, pelvic pain, like that is not normal. Like you shouldn't experience that. Unfortunately, most of us don't talk to our girlfriends about our periods that much, maybe a little bit more with social media. It's coming up, you know, more of a topic, which is great. Um, but it's not really something you talk about, or maybe if you talk to your mom about it, they'll say, well, I dealt with it and I'm totally fine. And and there's not that proactive approach either. So I think that is something else that we really want to focus on. And, and pain is a symptom. It's the body telling us it's an alert system. And oftentimes women can experience pain in many different areas, but the pelvic floor is something that we don't talk about. And I love that you mentioned, you know, women are reaching out and, and starting to take a proactive approach um, because I think the theory of like, you have to pee your pants and it's going to hurt when you have sex after having a baby. That's just what it's like because maybe generations before us 
maybe didn't have access to the information that we do now, I think that is super valuable now too. It's a very empowering movement where we just want the information and it may or may not apply to us when we go into labor, but we want to have all of our ducks in a row because having a new baby is new for everyone. You know, a mom is, is a new mom too. She's learning from her baby. And the last thing you have time to do is go scroll the internet and say like, what the heck am I supposed to do? Is this normal? So I think taking that proactive approach from fertility to postpartum is huge. Um, in the United States too, we only get a six week uh, follow-up appointment after you give birth. And then they kind of set you on your way and they're like, enjoy motherhood and we'll see you when we see you. And there's no like, we'll see you in three months or we'll see you in a year. This is what we need to be looking for. It's kind of that stop point. And so that is also a big issue because a lot of women, especially women who have maybe struggled to conceive, they're so, so excited and grateful for being a mother that they have even more of a um, hinderness, I guess I would say, of or fear, I would say, of asking for help or saying something's abnormal or something's wrong because they're so grateful to have that baby. So they're like, this is just has to be normal um, and I just have to deal with it. So that is something else that we, we really want to advocate that it's okay to ask for help. Indeed. And I think there's, uh, you know, there, it's diff- it can be difficult sometimes in the process of like delivering knowledge, sometimes there could be some like fear around, oh, this could happen or this could happen. Right. Um, I would say it is extremely more fearful and more distressing when it does occur and you don't even like there's, you didn't even know that that was even a possibility that it could happen because not only do you not know what's happening in your body, but now you also don't know what you can do to get help. Right. For that thing. Like you don't, you may not even know that there is a, there's help for that or, or, you know, there's just, the mind has no conception of that. And that I think is significantly more distressing. And and that's what I see in my office is like, I didn't even know what a pelvic organ prolapse was until I got it. And then I, I was like freaking out about like feeling this thing. And then I'm like, do I go to the ER about that? Like there's so much distress when you don't know. Yes. It may be a little bit scary sometimes to, you know, learn about different things, what you need to look out for, because it could mean this. I mean, oftentimes these things that are not occurring, um, you know, a hundred percent of the time, right. It's like, you know, if you start seeing this, it could mean this, but it could mean a hundred other things. But the reason we're telling you it could mean this and you should seek help is because we want to rule that out as a possibility because it, you know, there could be greater concern. So it's like hard to walk that line of like how much information to share and like, but making sure people understand like their red flags for what they need to, when they need to understand, but God forbid that yellow or red flag shows up, it's going to be, I think more distressing because in that moment, you're going to be like, Oh my God, what's happening. Right. Right. And I think too, with the internet, there's a benefit and there's a very big rabbit hole that sometimes can happen too. And I always tell patients be cautious with Dr. Google, right? Dr. Google can be helpful to kind of explain or make you think of things that you didn't know because you're not in medicine. You're not supposed to know everything, right? So maybe it kind of alerts you like, Hey, this there's a lot of people that are posting that this isn't normal. Maybe I need to go talk to my provider. Um, but it's also that step of moving towards 
actually going and meeting with your provider is the most important because the internet may not give you all the information um, and then also make kind of scare you and say, oh my gosh, I have, you know, I don't even want to open that door. So I'm just going to close it and not even think about it um, versus your doctor can really, and your providers can give you so much more guidance. And I always say like tools in your toolbox. I want you to have tools in your toolbox so that if you need them, they're accessible for you, um, but you may not need them, right? Like whether it is, you know, pelvic physio, this is something that I'm like super passionate about. And I'm like, okay, everyone should have a pelvic physio, things like lactation consultants prior to birth, just all of those things so that we feel comfortable with the information that we have. We have those resources so that we can make an informed decision. So the internet is amazing. Social media is amazing. And I know you are always posting about some amazing things that are, you know, sometimes in your field, you're like, oh, everyone should know this. And then you post on the internet and you're like, oh my gosh, people don't know this. So I think that is also super rewarding is to be able to share that information. And, and, um, and, and that's why podcasts are so amazing because they're kind of, you know, you could be doing laundry, walking the dog, doing any of those things and listening to something and saying, Hey, either this impacts me now in the future, or maybe someone I know is kind of struggling with this and they haven't had those resources available to them. How can we do that? Because I never want education to be the obstacle for healing. And I think that now more than ever, we have, you know, all of the education out there. It's how to find the resource and the right resource, I think, is the other issue that we have is the wellness industry. I think it's worth like $4.5 billion a year, like insane amounts. So there's a lot of marketing that goes along with wellness. So then trying to find you know, where that educational information really lies is also kind of that next step that everyone has to take as well. And I was good. And what I'm kind of thinking in my mind is like, even this podcast, you know, any podcast or any post is like meant to be a stepping stone, right? It gives you a little bit more information so you can ask more questions and get, you know, hopefully connected to a professional that can kind of help tease out you know, what you do or do not necessarily need, right? And, and, or it's just like that seed in the back of your head that's like, well, I don't know if this is relevant for me right now, but then it's like, when something comes up, you're like, oh, I heard, you know, I heard about this, like, it just sparks that like memory. And then you're like, oh, wait, I think there's something we could do about this. And I think it was a natural path, at least, you know what I mean? There's the seeds, it's the planting of the seeds. There's the tools in the toolbox that you use as you need them, right? And same for pelvic floor physio. I mean, it doesn't, just because you're having a baby doesn't necessarily mean you will have bladder issues or that you'll have pain with intimacy. It doesn't necessarily mean that. But if it does show up, here are all the tools and like, here are things you could do to try to reduce those risks. So we're taking a proactive approach in the sense of like trying to mitigate you know, issues and, or if something arises, Hey, these are things you could be doing to make it better. Absolutely. And especially I think pain with intercourse, that's something that people don't want to talk about, or they don't want to mention. That's why I am always the one in the office who always asks the patient, like, do you have, you know, cause then they can all, they have to say is yes or no, right? Just simple yeah. questions. So they, they may not be the one bringing it up. Um, but I think it is helpful because when it comes to the pelvic floor, there are so many things or so many red flags that can happen. We can have hormonal imbalances, you know, some patients who are on birth control that can impact their testosterone levels and their estrogen, making them more susceptible to vaginal 
vaginal dryness and pain with intercourse. Others, after getting off of birth control, they um, may notice that they're still experiencing those symptoms. And those are things that should be red flags. Should we be looking for things like endometriosis? So endometriosis is one of the most common reproductive dysfunctions or disorders, um, and it can cause severe pain in patients. Um, so we want to make sure that we're looking at all different aspects and then making sure they're getting the right support so that they can get the transvaginal ultrasound, they can do the hormone testing. And then if it is really a pelvic floor issue, which for, a, as you know, a lot of people, it can be, where are we getting that support? How are we doing that? And what does that look like? So that patients feel comfortable saying, you know what, this is something that I need to do for myself. And, and I think also when it's pain with intercourse, it's one of those things where it's not an everyday thing. So they may forget about it or, you know, may, and for many people, there's a psychological component of it and it's normal, right? If something is painful, we don't want to do it, anything, right? Like you put your hand on something hot, you're not going to put your hand back on that thing that's hot. Same thing with the pelvic floor, right? If there's something that's painful, we may not be as intimate with our partner because we just assume, well, if I don't do it, like I don't have pain. So I think that um, when it comes to intimacy and fertility, I think that is super important as well. P sex shouldn't be painful um, and you shouldn't be in debilitating pain um, and ever really. So I think that's also an important part of pelvic physio. Yeah. And, and that's what we, you know, that's part of the teasing apart, right? Is like ruling things in, ruling things out. How much is the pelvic floor involved versus other aspects? That's why, we, you know, it's why our assessments are so long, right? It's like, we have to ask a lot of questions. And oftentimes we're working in conjunction with other practitioners to try to, you know, optimize, right? We're doing this part, but hey, there could be some other things happening as well. Because, you know, if you're, gut is not functioning properly. Well, neither is your pelvic health going to be right. And neither like your nerves are going to be more sensitive. There's more inflammation in your body. And then like there is a pelvic floor pain issue. So you're tightening and that's making, let's say more friction, which is then causing more inflammation. Like these things are not separated. And oftentimes it's like, trying to figure out what are all the pieces that I need to take a look at. It's never just like a one thing that shows up. There's so many different facets to things showing up, you know, with the pelvic floor, with fertility, right? There's a psychological, emotional components that come into both of these things as well. So we can't just like, we can't work in silos because you're an entire person. A hundred percent. Yeah. And what you eat every day impacts your pelvic floor. It impacts your hormones, right? Like all of that matters. And, it, and you're so right by saying like, it's not a silo because it's so true. Right. Or I always say like a lot of doctors like to, you know, kind of cut your head off and like deal from the neck down. They're like anything that's emotional, depression, anything that that is either mental or nothing at all. And that's so not true when there's hormonal concerns. I just had a patient recently. She was six or seven months postpartum was experienced debilitating depression and anxiety. She was like, I cannot leave the house. I've never experienced this. Like, I don't know what to do. And, um, she went to her doctor, but she had passed that six week 
appointment. So they were like, well, you're just going to have to come for another appointment um, that's unrelated to postpartum. And she's like, but I really need that support. And we checked her hormones and all of those things. And she had extremely low levels of progesterone in the second half of her cycle in the luteal phase, which is where it should be highest. And when we were talking to her in those initial consults, right, and having those intakes, we learned that, okay, her anxiety kind of peaked right in the second half of her cycle. So there was something also on timing that that was a big issue. So we uh, saw that her progesterone levels were low. We ended up prescribing bioidentical progesterone. And in five days she came to me and she was like, I don't know what you gave me, but I can go to the store now. I don't have like IBS symptoms anymore. And it was really just, it wasn't something magic that I did. We just really teased out all of the other concerns, right? Her other doctor might, or someone might've put her on Lexapro or an antidepressant. And maybe that would have helped her symptoms, but most likely not because we're not really getting to the root cause. So I think, um, it's, and I am like deeply passionate about helping women because I think there's so many aspects in our life where our hormones are changing like crazy and there's not enough support. Um, and when it comes to the pelvic floor, I think that is something that that's something for our patients that as soon as they're pregnant, we make sure that that is on their list um, so that they know that they get that support. Um, it is such a game changer when you have the education and the information to make informed decisions without the education or the information, you can't make those decisions. And so that is something that is so, so valuable. Exactly. On this topic of hormones, I, I do, I do want to ask, uh, because, you know, you were sort of mentioning hormones plays, you know, play a big role. Is it like the only role in fertility? Like, is it always a hormone issue? Not always. So there's a few different things that, uh, that can be an issue. So when it comes to hormonal, there can be things like ovulatory disorder. So when we have either PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, and we're having an issue with actual ovulation, that's a hormonal concern that's causing it to, uh, to be an issue when it comes to ovulation, which we need ovulation in order to get pregnant. Um, there's other hormonal concerns like things like thyroid conditions um, that also can play a big role eating disorders, exercising too much, those also can play into it, which can impact our hormones in many ways. Uh, but there's other concerns like uterine or cervical abnormalities. Maybe there are some tumors in the uterine lining or fibroids, other things that may be hormonally driven, but may also not be. Um, sometimes we have some fallopian tube damage or blockage. So this can be caused by um, infections like pelvic inflammatory um, disease. It can also be caused um, by scar tissue. If you've had any um, uh, blunt trauma or any type of surgery, anything like that, those can have big impacts and those are not you know, related to hormones in the same way. Endometriosis is another huge one. There's a huge component of um, hormones in the sense of, you know, many patients who have endometriosis end up having more elevated um, estrogen levels or the way that they metabolize their estrogen may be a little bit different. So those ones are also big um, impacts, but in endometriosis, pretty much what's happening is the endometrial tissue is growing outside of the uterus. And this can go very, very spread. Um, so it can be on the ovaries, it can be on the uterus and the fallopian tubes, the bowels. Um, there was actually a um, a clinical um, case report that said that there was a patient that had endometrial tissue that was found um, as far as the nose, which is 
insane that tissue could travel to different areas. Those aspects, when it comes to endometriosis, many times they are hormonally driven or sensitive. So those tissues, normally there's a shedding of the endometrial lining that happens with your period. But if they're in areas where they shouldn't be, whenever there's a hormonal fluctuation that's natural in our cycle, um, those tissues will be um, stimulated. So they can cause bleeding, they can cause pain. Um, It's the reason why endometriosis is one of the um, most severe conditions when it comes to pelvic floor, um, pain. Um, so that is something else that can be an issue. Um, there can be pelvic adhesion. So again, scars are another one. So those are kind of other aspects that, um, can impact infertility. And here right now, we're just talking about just women's infertility, but there's tons of other issues when it comes to male fertility factors as well. And we often think because we are women that we should be able to have children. And if we can't, it is our fault. The research really shows that it's a third, oftentimes female factor, another third male factor, and a third that's kind of a combination of both. So, you know, working on male and female fertility and health. Um, and this is something else. Hormone testing is helpful. I use it. I love it, but it is one piece of the big pie. So when we look at inflammation, we look at exercise, we look at your sedentary lifestyle, all of those factors impact your ability to get pregnant. My next question, cause we were talking about like pelvic pain and other reasons. Like if I have pelvic pain, is that a sign that like there's going to be fertility. It like, is it, is it, um, an indicator for infertility potential? Like, I mean, yeah, I would say it's more a red flag, right? If you're having pain, we need further evaluation. So I always like to say, if you're having pain, um, this is something that should be a red flag for you. If, and again, that's where I like to mention could be something you experience chronically every day, all the time, or it could be something that's more sporadic, or maybe it's not as sporadic as you think, because it's more patterned to your cycle. Um, so those all can be aspects that need to be addressed and it should be kind of an indicator of, I need to go see my provider. This may not be normal. Let's do a better evaluation to evaluate the situation. The other problems sometimes with fertility treatments or infertility treatments is at the time that you are able to get that further workup and do all of those things, you've already, you know, spent a lot of time and, and moments of grieving during this journey where I wish there was more a proactive approach, right? If you've had pelvic pain for five years and now you want to get pregnant, well, in those five years, right, if we were taking that proactive approach to help those areas, especially with pelvic physio, it's not an overnight fix, right? There's work that needs to be done. We need to retrain the body. Um, So this is something that I really believe in, in if you are planning to start a family, add another baby to your family, that you start at least a year before. And I know that sounds a long time, but having the time to have the hormone testing, if there's things that come up, whether it's pelvic pain or you need pelvic floor therapy or any of those things, we have the time. There's that cushion. It makes you feel more comfortable knowing that you have a little time to work on this aspect before you're ready to really jump into that preconception journey. Absolutely. hundred percent. Um, there's something that's coming into my mind and I do want to bring this forward just as a, like in case somebody listening is experiencing or know somebody that, but one of the, one of the things that may not necessarily be a fertility 
issue directly, but um, there are some women who are not able to have penetration. Mm-hmm. And one of the sort of earlier signs that there may be something going on in the pelvic floor tissue um, is inability to use tampons. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, that is a really good one. Right? If you're attempting to use a tampon and it's really uncomfortable or really painful, um, I mean, it could be a number of different things. You know, I'm not saying it automatically leads to this. Right. It is often like an early potential indicator that there may be some tension in the pelvic floor tissues themselves. Again, could there be a hormonal aspect to it? 100%. Could there be a physical, like just the, your particular makeup and your structure? Yes. But some, like I will see ladies come into the office who, you know, just got married or they're attempting to have intercourse. So they want to have children and have never been able to have intercourse because it's really, really painful. And so sometimes we have to work on that part first. Yeah. And what I guess I wanted to say is like, if you've ever noticed that like tampons are really uncomfortable or really painful may not mean that you are going to work on it right now because it's easy to avoid that. I'll just wear a pad and no big deal. But right. like, if you're thinking like, oh, I met somebody or, oh, I'm going to be married soon or, oh, I want to have children. And that may have been a sign. Maybe a proactive approach would be to start working or have an assessment done or, or take a look, or especially if you've attempted intercourse once and it was once or twice and it's been unsuccessful, like you cannot get, your partner cannot fully penetrate. That's definitely a sign to come see your pelvic floor physio. Um, and then, you know, we can refer and, and do a, some, uh, I just figured I'd kind of mention that because that's something that um, most of my clients like don't make that link. Yep. Um, but it's kind of, it kind of can, I've had a few people come to me for that reason because they want to get pregnant. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. But so we can, it, right. Exactly. Right. Like, and, and the pelvic floor is so important for all of those aspects where it's not infertility in the sense of a hormonal issue or you need medication. And that's where infertility is quite vast when it comes to the causes. And this is also why, you know, again, if you are having pain in any sort of way, whether it's, you know, with a tampon, or maybe when you get your pap smear, you're like jumping off the table pretty much because you're in so much pain and you're like, yep, can't do it. Um, or it's been unsuccessful to do a pap smear because everything is too painful for you. Those should be red flags of not that maybe there's an issue, but let's just get an initial assessment. So I can say, okay, I check that off of my list everything looks good. I'm doing the right things. Or maybe these are ways that I can improve that aspect of it. There isn't a major issue or something that's, you know, irreversible. Most of the time, there's a lot of things that are reversible. We just need the education and the information. And we don't know until we get that assessment. So I think that having those long assessments with you is so helpful. Yeah. And to that point, you know, if you can't have a PAP and you can't, again, it may not be like a medical um, diagnostic, like condition. It might be like, I have some tight tissue, right? Like I have a tight hamstring. I can't do the splits, right? Right. You'll never do the splits. It just might mean those muscles may require some support to help you get to the 
you know, to get to the splits, uh, you know, exactly <laughs> lacking a better example, but that, yes. you know, but I don't want to, you know, I certainly don't want it to be like, oh my God, I have a condition and it's going right. to, you know, it's not that it's, Hey, there might be something going on with the tissue. Let's take a look at that piece. Uh, cause there's always something we can do. Absolutely. And I think too, if someone is having trouble with intercourse, their fears when it comes to pregnancy, right? They want to get pregnant, but they're like, okay, at the end of the row, this baby's got to come out one way or another. Right. And there's so much fear associated with what does that even look like? Um, what can I do preventatively, which is also another reason, like, I am so excited, you know, about your course and all of the things that you're doing when it comes to, you know, uh, in pregnancy, kind of preparing patients for both options, right. Vaginal C-section, because at the end of the day, baby's going to come. Right. And sometimes you can have the best plan in, in mind, um, but baby changes their mind, right? And things kind of go awry. And so to have that support, understanding, and knowledge is everything because we can say, okay, you know what? I learned this information that now I can tap into or I have that tool in my toolbox. Exactly. So I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you about like, okay, so, you know, what do you do? Like, what, what does a proactive approach look like like what what can somebody expect if they were to come and see you what does that like what might that entail does that mean like i have to revamp my entire diet and give up everything that i <laughs> like to eat like you know that's i think one of the main things i hear people say when they're like i don't want to see a naturopath they're going to tell me to go gluten free you know yep. um so yeah share with us like what is what is your approach look like Yes. So we really believe in taking that holistic approach, doing the right hormone testing. One of the things that um, is really valuable these days is, is there's a lot of access to things like hormone testing, but there's not a lot of support or education. So we have had patients who have come in, you know, desperate saying, oh my gosh, I test, um, it said all my hormones are low. I'm never going to have a baby. All of those things. Well, we need to first kind of look at when were those hormone tests done? Were you on birth control? If you're on birth control, hormonal birth control, do not do hormone testing it in the blood. It will look low. That's how birth control works. Um, does not mean you're infertile. We need to do it outside of when you're, you're off of birth control. So typically patients will come to us. They'll, um, either transition off of birth control a couple months before they start with us. Or if they're a patient who's like, every time I've ever tried to get off of birth control, I've had severe symptoms. I've gone to the ER because my pain was so bad or had so much bleeding. Well, then we'll take them on at that point as well. Uh, one of the things we do is our initial assessment, which is an hour long visit that we go through everything, lifestyle, diet, exercise, family history, personal history, environmental toxins, all of the things, sedentary lifestyle, all of those, um, and really decide, okay, what additional testing will be valuable for us. So, um, now that there's a ton of different testing options, those are fabulous, but they need to make sure that they're actually consistent with what you need. So we've had patients who may not know their family history or their genetics when it comes to a particular family member. Maybe they don't know their dad and they're like, I have no idea, or they don't know their mother or they don't have a great relationship, or they heard that she had miscarriages in the past and they're trying to take a proactive approach. So this is where hormone testing is one aspect of what we do, um, but we really take into consideration into consideration nutrigenomics. So we're looking at genetics. Um, we're looking at um, micronutrients. So instead of telling everyone like you have to be on this many supplements and this is what's good for you, or these are the diet changes that you make before we make any of those 
recommendations. We're really taking a full body approach to your health. So inflammatory markers, thyroid function. Um, we've had patients who have struggled with IVF who were considering doing their third round of IVF. And in the United States, it's typically not covered by insurance. So it's about $20,000 or so per cycle. So that is a lot of money. Um, so we had a patient recently went through two rounds of um, IVF was like, I am desperate to get to the root cause before I go through another treatment. Um, and by peeling down the layers, um, we were looking at her thyroid function, which she's like, I've been on thyroid medication for you know years. Nothing's been any different. And I asked a simple question. Have you ever had a thyroid ultrasound? Um, your thyroid antibodies looked a little bit elevated. So your immune system was stimulated. So we generally like to run a thyroid ultrasound. She's like, you know what? I actually have never had one. So we ordered one um, and we found a nodule that was suspicious. And so we had her do a fine needle biopsy um, and it came back that she did have some form of thyroid or um, some cells that were indicative of thyroid cancer. She had her thyroid um, evaluated by a surgeon and got that taken care of. Now her cycles are better. She's feeling much better. Like there was a root cause that was needed to be addressed in that area. So um, it's not to say that everyone has cancer. It's just the idea that it's important that we take a full evaluation. Um, and that is something that we do. Um, in the state of Arizona, I'm a um, licensed naturopathic doctor, which means I can order blood work. We can order imaging. We can do a lot of the same things that your OB, your, your PCP, your reproductive endocrinologist can do, but we work in that kind of more holistic approach. And we also, what, what's really fabulous is we like to work in collaboration with your reproductive endocrinologist, your OB and your PCP. So we always like to share our notes with our patients so that they can share it with their other providers. So everyone is on the same team. The idea is every doctor that is in your life they went to medical school to help patients. They didn't do it for money or they didn't do it for, you know, profiting off your sickness. They want to help you. Um, and so we need to kind of evaluate, like, who is the specialist in every area? So when it comes to nutrition or prenatals or supplements or things like that, I want to make sure I'm providing patients the information that they need based on their chemical makeup, their environment, their diet. Like, what do they specifically need? Um, so our patients typically go through a three-month intensive, which allows them to have access to all of their visits with me, their visits with our health coach to help really with the mindset, the food as medicine, because when it comes to changing your diet or changing your lifestyle, those are hard. Taking a supplement, taking a medication, that's easy, but it's when we have to physically change our neural pathways of how we get up in the morning, like what our you know, what is our first to do's or how we handle the day or how we set our boundaries. That is hard work. So we learned that by adding in a health coach, that was extremely valuable because patients were able to come to those appointments or those sessions, which our health coach is virtual, which is really nice. Um, and really say, this is the obstacle that I'm having in my mindset. This is where I'm having issues with diet. Where can we make those adjustments? So I didn't want to just give information. I wanted to give strategy so that patients were getting that, that support. So that that really is something that is super valuable. Some of our patients get pregnant, you know, in the first month or later or, or, and it's so different for every single patient, but they're getting that support and that fundamental so that they can get those lasting results. I always tell patients, I don't want you to just get pregnant. I want you to have a healthy and happy baby. And then importantly, a really good postpartum experience. So do you have genetic risk factors that increase your risk of postpartum depression? Like 
MTHFR mutations? Like what are we doing proactively to make sure that we're evaluating and supporting you? So, so patients really get that, that all encompassing support um, during their, their time with us. And the implement, like the implementation, I wanted to say like that, that, you know, what I'm hearing is, you know, that health coach is there to help you implement the change. Like it's one thing to get, okay, you need to do this, this, and this, yeah. but then it's a whole other thing of like, how, right. Right. Like, how do I fit that in? How do I decide what I have to let go of? How do I let go of that thing? How do I implement this new habit? Uh, you know, what is going to help me be most successful? Like it's okay. Here are all, the, you know, here's all the blood work. Here's where the issue is like, great, but right. the, the st- you still have to do the work and it's the, you know, staying motivated on top of doing the work because so much other things can come up along the way that can be barriers or blockages to doing that. Oh yeah. Or food relationships. We all, especially as women, like we all have effed up relationships with food. Like we just do. And so when you ask someone to change their diet or change things that can be extremely triggering, or we've had patients who were athletes and they had struggles with eating disorders or, or things like that, that, that can come up. And so, and then also on the other spectrum, Maybe they have PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. They have trouble losing weight and they go to their OB or their PCP and they're like, I really need help. I want, I know I need to do this in order to help my, my chances of natural conception or all of those things. And they're like, yeah, that's really great. Just eat less and exercise more like simple. Right. And then the patient goes and says, well, what does that even look like? So I think adding that health coach was really like that turning point for us. Um, and that's why all of our patients go through our intensive is because that that's where the magic really happens is that accountability, that support, um, that, that was really where everything changed for us. It's amazing. I have a question about, you know, resources for people who are like just getting started or like are unsure if they're like ready to like take on it. Like, do you have any resources or like, where's a good place for people to kind of start to help inform whether or not, like, you know what I mean? It's like, we're talking about what we need, you know, we need knowledge and information to make informed decisions and going, you know, we're talking about those things, but what if I'm not quite ready for that? Like, is there something that you um, offer a resource for people just to start thinking about this more deeply? Yes, we do. We have a free fertility quick start guide. Um, it's downloadable. It's really kind of explaining, okay, you're ready to get off of birth control. Like here are the five steps that you should consider or think about. And here's maybe some, some red flags to think about if you need additional support. So that is totally free. It's available on our website. So I'll give you the link to it as well. So you can put it in the show notes if you'd like for your audience. Um, and it's also available in our link in on Instagram. That is a great, great resource. I also do a blog post every single week about a particular topic, maybe that I've heard in clinic a lot, or that, you know, I keep seeing on social media that I feel like is getting some misinformation. Um, and that's also a great, uh, place to look if you're looking for a particular topic. So whether it's endometriosis, PCOS, or it's unexplained infertility or male fertility, any of those issues, um, we usually have a blog post about a particular topic last, you know, last, week we talked about, could your protein powder be impacting or messing with your hormones, which is a really fun and exciting topic as well. So we try to provide as much free information. And so that, that at least my biggest goal and my, my, 
deepest passion is to help women feel educated and so that they can take that information and go to their doctor. So recently on Instagram, for example, I talked about going through my own thyroid issue and having my thyroid ultrasound and all of those things. And someone messaged me and said, thank you for sharing this because I was able to advocate for my health. And this is what happened with that process. And they never came and saw me in my office, but that didn't matter to me. I helped in one little instant just to, again, plant that seed of, hmm, maybe I should ask for something different. So, so we are all about giving that information. And then when you're ready to really dive in, coming in, seeing us in sunny Scottsdale, we live in like a resort town. So I always tell people who travel to come and see us, at least you can make a weekend out of it um, when you come and see us. But um, that is something that we, that we do offer. Amazing. And I believe you have a masterclass coming up shortly. Yes, we do. On March 29th, we have a fertility masterclass called Beyond the Basics. So this uh, webinar uh, masterclass is totally free and it's really to help patients who may be already tracking their cycles. They're having timed intercourse and they're like, okay, what do I need to do next? So we talk about nutrigenomics. We talked about unexplained infertility, how to kind of get through the BS a little bit of social media influencers who talk about these amazing supplements. And you're like, okay, should I take that one? What should I be doing? Like, where is that information coming from? So I want to help give you that education and that support. And then I'll also talk about hormone testing, what to look for, when to get testing, what to ask for, um, and all of that as well. So we're really excited to offer that. Um, and those that will be at 6 PM mountain standard time, but it will be recorded. So if you sign up and secure your spot, that will be helpful so that you can get access to the replay. Wonderful. And we will put the links to the free resource and to the masterclass in the show notes. Uh, you mentioned Instagram. Do you, you're on Instagram. Uh, if you want to maybe uh, say your handle and like, are you on other social media platforms that, are, that people should be aware of? Yes. So I am always on Instagram. So Dr. Zen NMD um, is my handle and I'm always there trying to advocate for information and all of that. I just joined TikTok. I don't know if you've joined TikTok yet. I joined like two weeks ago. And so this is a fun, it's been fun. At, at first I was very resistant to TikTok. I think because it was just not like I am in the generation of Instagram and that was easy for me. So that was great. Um, but it's been really fun to be on TikTok and share other information um, as well. So either one, and it's also Dr. Zen and MD. Um, and you can always send us messages. We're always happy to, to at least point you in the right direction. Absolutely. And don't worry, all the handles, <laughs> things, they will be in the show notes and the, you know, the podcast description to make it easy for you to find her. I want to thank you very much for coming and having this chat with me, you know, pelvic health meets, you know, naturopathic medicine and fertility yeah. that, uh, that was really great. And, uh, I think informative. And again, like, it's just like one stepping stone that like, now you have a little bit more knowledge and now you're like, wow, that's a whole bunch of stuff I know nothing about. Now I know a little bit. Now I need to know more. <laughs> and then you have to go take the next step. And then the next step, just like we as practitioners don't stop our learning, neither right. should yours. Right. Um, so thank you. Thanks so much. This is fabulous and so fun. And that's the whole idea is just to have conversations about topics that that people may not have enough information about. It's just a conversation. So uh, thanks so much for having me. This is such a blast.
Yeah. And thank you to all of our listeners who join us on a weekly basis. Again, it's conversations every week is a different type of conversation centered around helping you live a better life. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share out this episode, because again, people may not be talking about it. So just sharing it out might be You might be providing somebody a little seed that sparks something that helps them. So you never know. So be sure to share the episode out and we will, I was going to say, we will meet you on the next podcast. We won't see you, but we will, we will collectively be together on the next podcast. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.